Hello, it's Joan again, back for another week of homecoming. So we've been doing a lot of listening to our bodies and the stories they're telling us about our world and ourselves. We have a deeper understanding that these stories are just stories. They're um, a collection of words and paragraphs that our brain has generated in order to try and make sense of the world. We've learned that these stories are not from us. We didn't create them on purpose. Um, rather, they are what has been handed down to us and given to us through from many areas of our lives, from our upbringings, from our society and environments in which we live and work. And we probably aren't that happy with what we're hearing. If you're like me, when I first started pausing and listening to what my brain was telling me as a story, using the vehicle and language of emotions through my body, it wasn't just that it felt really bad, the emotions themselves felt very uncomfortable and painful, but also the story they were delivering that I'm not enough, that I am a terrible person, that I am never going to accomplish anything good, that I should continue to hide myself because if people found out the real me, they wouldn't accept me. All the most delightful stories that we carry around with us from day to day, it helps to know they're not real. It helps to know that they're not mine from me, that I'm not the only one with them, that we're all swimming in it, sure. But I would prefer if this wasn't what I was getting, like the CNN ticker tape across my brain every minute of the day. And so finally, we're going to explore how we shift the story. I really encourage you still to go through all the steps that we've explored over these past few weeks of understanding what emotion is there, listening deeply and allowing the story of that emotion to speak out, really looking at what actions that emotion is in compelling you to do in your life and really having this understanding of why you do the things you do and why you don't do the things you don't do and understanding where those stories are coming from. That is the real meat of the transformative work because that is what makes this next step of shifting accomplishable. Is that a word? It is now. But that's what makes it, first of all, uh, you could say easier. It's not simple or easy, but it is, it makes it possible. That's what it is. It makes it possible to do because you're not shielding yourself from this evil outside force, which are your emotions and these terrible stories. You've come to an understanding of their purpose and they're just not serving anymore. And a lot of them aren't serving anyone in this world anymore. And this is how we do the transformative work of changing our society is by changing ourselves and our belief in ourselves. And so now we come to the change. So the first really powerful transformative way that I'm going to talk about this week that we shift the story that our brain gives us is by shifting how we talk back to that story. And so I'm going to give you um, another story from my own life that I hope will help illustrate what I mean. This one's a pretty personal story, but I think it gets to the root of where I've been versus where I'm going. So a few years ago, my mom asked me to tell her 
what she'd done as a mom that I wish uh, she had done differently. She asked me casually and honestly completely out of the blue over lunch at a restaurant that she'd taken me out to. I don't know what your relationship's like with your mom. I know everyone's relationship is different, but this uh, is not the typical kind of conversation we have. Um, And so I was honestly really blindsided by it. I have strong people-pleasing tendencies, um, and I'm not used to trying to tell people to their face what I think has gone wrong between us. And um, even though I'd spent many hours in therapy by that point, asking this particular question of what could she have done differently and how has she hurt me, I really did not know how to answer her. The one thing I was able to share that I, I came to was that I I daily, frequently was hearing this really critical negative voice in my brain, something that was constantly criticizing what I was doing, saying, oh, are you sure that's the right thing to do? Um, does that seem like a good idea? And that that voice was often like in her voice. Now, I wasn't admitting that I have auditory hallucinations, okay? I think um, many of us, it's almost like a form of fantasy. You picture this, a person saying something to you that really you're saying to yourself, right? Um, and I don't know if anyone can relate, but this is something that would, off, a phenomenon that would often happen to me. And it was often my mom being like, do you think that's a good idea? Um, and I really winced as I said it out loud to her, thinking this would be very painful to hear. Like, oh my gosh, when you think of me, you think that I'm criticizing you all the time, you know? But instead my mom, she took a, like maybe a beat and then she said, oh yeah, I have that voice in my head. That's my, my mom's always criticizing me in my head too. Everyone has that. That never goes away. Um, and that was pretty much the end of that conversation. Just a little sneak peek into some of the dynamic that has helped, uh, bring me to where I am today in my life. Um, so I'm not here to talk about my mom, but I am here to talk about that voice that would disguise itself as my mom. That voice that we're talking about, I I believed her. And even before she said it out loud, I had already believed that it was sort of just a thing I would always have. Um, times when I'd try and do something nice for myself, like rest or exercise or, you know, yoga or whatever, there she'd be, this voice saying, well, this seems like a waste of time. Um, are you sure this is the best way to spend your day? Uh, look at how bad you are at this. Look, you just wobbled again. This seems way too hard for you. Maybe you'd be better off doing something you already know how to do. You look so ridiculous right now. And so from what we've explored in this course so far, I wonder if you could identify which emotion stories this inner critic really represents for you. For me, it's shame and anxiety all the way. So if I do or think something that might be disapproved of by others, my shame pipes up to say, uh, you need to fix this or hide this, uh, not show this bad part of yourself, or you are getting kicked out of the community. And when I'd make a mistake or show a perceived weakness, my anxiety would jump in being like, okay, that wasn't okay. You showed yourself to be vulnerable. You could have been, you know, attacked or kicked out of the community. So let's like do a big post-game analysis on everything that led to that moment so it never, ever happens again um, because you cannot trust yourself being vulnerable or having weakness in these situations. 
it's sad. I mean, just to, just to be clear, a lot of the things that this voice says to me, my mom has never said to me. Uh, I would say she had more subtle ways of correcting and signaling her concerns about me as a person. Um, and so it's pretty clear that even though it was often in my mom's voice, what my brain was really offering me was from me. I mean, the call was coming from inside the house, okay? Um, and really, it wasn't mine, though, to, that I created for myself. It was an amalgamation of every not good enough message that I'd ever ingested. And so my brain was just offering me, it's like, good morning, you know, you're Joan, you have uh, two kids, you live in Canada, you know, like all the facts of your life, you're not good enough. This is one of the facts that keeps you kind of a coherent whole. This is part of your identity that helps you feel stable in a, an extremely unstable, constantly changing world. So my brain was being very supportive and protective as it offered me these messages because weren't they true? You sure, sure heard them a lot and you sure thought them a lot. So they must be a piece of who you are, right? So I have the best news. My mom was wrong. First of all, the messages I was hearing from her about being me not being good enough were wrong. But even just what she said in that conversation about the fact that the voice will never go away and it's just a fact of life, it can go away. Maybe not completely, but it doesn't have to be the dominant voice the way it has been. And I can tell you that because it's no longer the dominant voice in my life. Sure, do I hear it? Yes, but I know what it is. I know it's my anxiety. I know it's my shame. And I've come to a different relationship with those things. We have a power to change our relationship to that inner voice, and that changes our experience and how strong and loud that critical voice can be. And the way we do it is by how we speak back to that voice. So start by starting, right? Like we've been saying, when you lie still, sit still, take a pause in your car before you go into the house or into your work. Wherever these rest practices, these moments of quiet are presenting themselves to you and that you're creating for yourself. What do you hear, which is everything we've talked about through the past courses, the past weeks of this course? And then how do you speak back? How do you want to treat this constant companion in your life, which is you? How do you want to speak to yourself? How do you want to connect with yourself? It's okay to wince at how you automatically speak to yourself now. You didn't invent these way, ways of speaking, right? You inherited them back and back and back. So if right now you lie still, and you're like, okay, we're listening. Oh, there's anxiety. Yep, says that I can't trust myself. Okay, there it is. Oh, I want to just go away already. You know, that's okay. <laughs> That's what we're used to. We're not used to having to tolerate this discomfort, right? We don't even know how long will it take. It might be forever. It's out of fear, right? We're afraid that if we listen closer and treat it with kindness, it will stay longer. And we've kind of just been taught that by society. Don't indulge it or something. But you can just listen to it in a calm, compassionate manner and speak to it in the same fashion and watch what happens next. So sitting with the fear of what would happen if you spoke differently to yourself is a great opportunity 
to do that work. Yes, you've been told that if you are kind to yourself, you'll lose your edge, your drive, your worth in this world. But remember that if you're scared in that way, if you're scared that being still and being comfortable with yourself will leave you vulnerable, who gave you that fear? There are forces in this world that benefit from you staying scared. You'll be easier to influence. You'll be easier to adopt their ideas instead of coming up with your own inner wisdom and intuition, right? This is the biggest lie of all, that offering yourself unconditional love is not weakening. It's actually the way to unleash the power that comes from being your authentic self. Just as a reminder, these are the emotions that come naturally with sitting and finding your authentic self. So when you work through the emotion stories of your fear and your shame and your sadness, this is what is waiting for you underneath on the other side. Calm, clear, curious, connected, compassionate, confident, courageous, creative. Those are the emotions that you feel at your most authentic state. Um, I know it seems odd for me to describe them to you. I would just ask you to, to just think deeply about the times you felt those emotions, right? And how those were when you were your most settled and trustworthy or, you know, most in a trusting relationship with yourself, right? These are the emotions that anchor and restore you to yourself when you're practicing accessing rest. So I'm not saying that the critical voice will be gone forever. Ghost patterns definitely arise, but I've noticed that say I see um, a new message. So I hear a critical comment from a colleague or I see a message on social media that, that's, that stimulates anxiety or shame in me again. Because I have practiced accessing my authentic self through rest, because I've practiced speaking to myself out of that place, saying to myself, if I was a confident, calm, you know, compassionate person, what would I say to my fear right now? And then speaking that way to myself, when I'm in the moment and the fear rises, I have the ability to say, I know what's happening here. Look, that message was telling me that I'm not good enough. That message says, if I don't buy this swimsuit, then I won't be as cool as the other kids. And that means that I won't belong. And then everyone's going to hate me forever. Okay. That's a familiar pattern. I'm aware of where that comes from. And it's optional. I can sit with the activation in my body because I know it's just my body delivering a message to me. And I don't have to you know, store that message forever. I can say, look, here I am, a human in this world who up until this moment has not owned that swimsuit and I have still survived. I have still, I'm still alive. So that fear is an over-response. I'm not critical of it. I understand why that's true. I've been primed to feel this through all this messaging. I've been primed to feel anxiety when I get criticism from my colleagues because we want to be in connection with each other. Nothing has gone wrong here. This is what happens when we're figuring out how to be a human in the world. I 
said all that as if it was natural to me, but really what happens is I've practiced changing how I speak to myself again and again and again. It felt really weird at first. And it helped. I started small. I started with things that were very, I didn't start with like, okay, you're anxious, but you're really a beautiful goddess and you're just so wonderful. And don't worry about those people. Like some way I would never speak to anyone. I really tried to sit still and say like, how would I speak to myself? If I knew one way to access this is you picture yourself in like a future state where you've like healed all of your trauma wounds. And that future self looking back at you right now in your frazzled, anxious, shame-filled state, how would you speak to yourself if you knew all of that you're experiencing ultimately is trying to protect you but not serving you? What would you say? Hey, I see you through the anxiety. Hey, like it can be something so small. Hey, I know this is hard right now. Like if you've ever listened to those really nice parenting podcasts where they give you scripts of how to speak to your toddler in the middle of a tantrum, that is the language I'm talking about because that's who we're speaking to, our wounded inner selves, right? Hey, this is really hard. You didn't want that to happen. You didn't want that person to say that to you. So hard. I'm here with you. You know, whatever feels natural to you, I'm I'm saying what has become natural more natural to me and that I continue to cultivate and practice. So this is my call to action to you all this week. The next time you catch yourself in the old self-talk pattern, which may very well be happening as you listen to this podcast, can you picture taking your own hand? So right now you're like, I don't know, this is annoying and she's weird and this doesn't seem possible for me. I've tried this self-compassion thing. It didn't work. It was too hard. Can you see that that is your brain protecting yourself because it's something new and scary and vulnerable? And you've been conditioned to say, if you're vulnerable, if you like yourself, if you're kind to yourself, bad things will happen. And just know that those stories are lies. Those stories benefited the storyteller who gave it to you, but they're not from you. So what would you say to yourself now? What would a curious, calm, connected you, your most compassionate self say, right? Start with something small. I'm willing to consider that my worth isn't tied to what I do, so I can rest. I'm open to the idea that I'm enough here right now lying on this couch. And if all those sound like, yikes, those are all too much already, even just practicing saying to yourself, here I am being a human being in a human body in this current moment. That is always something you can anchor yourself in and speak to yourself. Hey, you got a lot going on. Remember, you're a human being in a human body. That's a lot, you know, (laughs) something like that, like whatever feels good to you. These anchoring ways to speak to yourself, you'll be astonished how quickly some of these emotions and stories will let go of you. If you realize you don't require them to feel safe, but you're safe in spite of them, by practicing speaking to yourself from that place of safety. So just to circle back to my story about my mom and share a bit more about it, I I do want you to know that as I've shifted the way I speak to myself and my insights about what my emotions really are 
and what my body really is and the stories I've been told about them that are false, I've actually naturally found deeper wells of compassion for those I've learned the stories from, including my parents. In the past, I tried to force this and, you know, tried to just sort of forgive them or reconcile or all these different things, try and say they did the best they could. And I do, I'm on a journey of believing that I am, but I just, the thing is I can let go having to have any kind of specific ideas about them because I'm focused on the only being that I'm really in charge of knowing anything about, which is myself. And I've noticed as as I heal my own inner critical voice, first of all, it's really very infrequently looks like my mom anymore, which is nice. Um, Now my mom can just appear when she is actually my mom, like in person or on Zoom or whatever. I remind myself, and because I've reminded myself that it's really just my anxiety and shame telling these old stories to me, I have also noticed that how I view my parents and when I see them and they actually sort of act out of old patterns that they haven't shifted on. I don't have to shift with them. I feel the urge to, and sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. And it's just this other gift of being more connected with yourself. You no longer feel as strong of this craving for others to create belonging for you. And aren't our parents the ultimate projectors, the ultimate places we project our desire for belonging. I know they are for me. So really what I've come to is, you know, it's Dorothy at the end of Wizard of Oz. You're already in the place of belonging you've already wanted to be. You're already home in your body, in yourself. And you access that as you speak to yourself and call yourself back to your place of knowing. I hope you have a wonderful week full of kind, comforting thoughts and that you learn further and further how much it's possible for you to really be embracing yourself um, in this new way and just see what's possible for you out in the world if you keep coming back to yourself in this restful place where it's just you and encountering your most authentic self. I'm so excited for what will happen next. I'll see you next week.